Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Spiritual Unity Radio Network, a station dedicated to the concept that all manifestations of the divine are equally valid. Join Reverend Terry Power HP, Robin McKean, and all the hosts for programming covering a wide range of spiritual topics right here on Blog Talk Radio. She's founded called Spring Farms Cares. Greetings and welcome. Bonnie, how are you? I'm just fine, Hercules. The more I researched you, the more amazed and impressed I was. You've lived a very eventful uh, life. Uh, I certainly have. <laughs> As a matter of fact, my my newest my newest book, which will be. Um, which will be up soon. We're working on finalizing it, but the name of it is Waveforms I Have Collapsed, a retrospective (laughs) of of multi-dimensional life art, volume one, the first 80 years. (laughs) Wow, that that is quite a lot. And why don't we start there? Tell us more about this wonderful book that uh, you're writing. Uh, well, um, it is basically it's uh, it's biographical, autobiographical, uh, and and yet it's not. I I I don't think anything has ever been done like this. I I have been studying, uh, uh, getting very deeply into the new physics, and uh, mm-hmm. I cer- I understand uh, that that we create our own reality. That uh, as w- that we collapse waveforms with the information that uh, swirls around us and create our own realities, and so I began to look at, at my life as a series of works of art. That each each uh, chapter w- was an artwork, and so I have written the book that way of creating as as as. Uh, as though you're going through a gallery of my life with with all these various crazy things that have happened to me uh, presented as works of art. 
That is awesome, and it is also very synchronistic. I view my life the same way. I view oh, really? my life as a series of chapters, and some of the mm-hmm. chapters are different genres, <laughs> and uh, they're exactly. in different styles, and, and they, they definitely conclude, and a new one begins, and sometimes it has a lot to do with the one before it, and sometimes exactly. it doesn't. So I'm looking mm-hmm. forward to reading your book. That is awesome. <laughs> Well, now, so, what else would you like to know about uh, the, well, the my various works of art? <laughs> let's, let's start at the very beginning. Uh, what do you call it? You are an unusual and very creative uh, and very impressive individual. How did your journey begin? Well, I was uh, born here in, in Utica, New York in 1938, February of 1938. I just I'm I'm 81 years old now, and just wow. starting on my ne- my next 80. And mm-hmm. uh, I was I was a farm girl, and uh, I literally milked cows until I was 17, and then went to New York City to become a, a ballerina, which didn't work out. And so I ended up as as an actress and and model and dancer. Uh, 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 one form of dancing that I I uh, I did professionally was ballroom dancing, and then uh, ended up out in Hollywood and uh, spent ten years as the wife of uh, Jean Reynolds, who was the producer of shows like Room Two Twenty Two and and Mash. And uh, so far, exciting. Uh, a show, a series of shows can be devoted to each chapter or each work of art. Uh, so today we'll take the overall tour and then we'll visit them uh, more in depth uh, uh, later on. Because, uh, okay. again, um, you've managed to fit several lifetimes into your one lifetime. So uh, you need at least 80 more years. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, definitely. Well, I'm I'm lucky because I have uh, very very fortunate genes. Almost all of my family lives into their late 90s or even into their hundreds. So uh, I'm I'm uh, I'm I'm thinking by the time I get there that uh, we will have figured out ways to to help me uh, finish up that next 80. <laughs> so. Um, so you, you, you're in Hollywood now, and uh, I'm sure you had a very illustrious career um, before uh, you found yourself in uh, Hollywood. And even though ballet didn't uh, uh, work out for you, uh, it seems to have opened many uh, doors. Yes, uh, I did. Uh, I, I was very successful in uh, modeling, and uh, then I, I got into acting. I even did a Broadway show. And uh, I was uh, out in out in uh, California. I did a, a bunch of television shows. I was the murder defendant on Perry Mason a couple of times, and and uh, I did do uh, uh, several mashes. Um, mm-hmm. And then after after I left Jean, uh, then I actually went to Australia. And uh, and uh, oh, in in the meantime, I while I was married to Jean, I started writing novels and had a couple of bestsellers while I was still married to Jean, and uh, then went to Australia and took up flying and actually got my pilot's license while I was in Australia, and 
then uh, came back, and I ended up back here on the farm. And um, one thing led to another, and and uh, began to collect animals. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> now we have uh, Spring Farm Cares, which is a uh, uh, basically uh, it's an animal sanctuary, and it is basically uh, internationally known and and respected. I'm very very happy to end up back here at the farm where uh, where I really belong anyway <laughs> and so uh, doing some like, some good work for uh, for the animals so the, the website's very impressive and uh, um, initially I thought uh, you know the, the farm would focus on uh, uh, foods and things like that but I was very pleasantly surprised to find that the the primary focus was uh, on the animals how were you inspired to create an organization uh, for animals and how did it evolve uh, into spring forms cares well uh, I nothing was planned <laughs> I didn't plan it at all when I got back here uh, I uh, I made the mistake of of buying a horse. Um, I'd always like like all little girls when I was a kid. I wanted a horse, and my father said, "You're not going to have a horse. You don't understand, Bonnie, how much horses cost." And now we have 25 of them here on the farm now, and I can tell you wow. that my father was right. They cost a lot of money to keep, <laughs> but uh, the horses that are here now are all horses that wouldn't have had another place to go they would have ended up uh in the in the meat wagon i'm afraid if we hadn't taken them and and i we we give them um we, we take care of them for life here once they come to spring farm they can just be horses and enjoy themselves for for uh, their whole lives but the way i got started was uh with with that first horse that i bought who turned out to be pregnant and so I ended up uh, delivering the foal, and uh, then I was hooked, really hooked. And one thing led to another, and uh, then I got another horse and another horse, and uh, uh, I then began, I, I became, along with my, my partner, uh, Dawn Heyman, who is an animal communicator. She is an absolutely brilliant animal communicator and psychic, and uh, she and I started uh, Spring Farm Cares together, and we became Tellington Jones Equine Awareness uh, Practitioners, uh, which uh, I don't know whether you know anything about Linda Tellington Jones. And no, her I don't. Abso- Can you enlighten me a bit? I don't know very much about her. Yeah, no, she is uh, an absolutely incredible person. She discovered a way of working with animals that is a, um, you use various uh, pressure movements on the animals, and what it does, it opens neural pathways, new neural pathways to the brain. Um, we had, for instance, we had a situation, uh, Dawn and I were working on a horse. It was, um, a thoroughbred that people wanted it to be, be a jumper, but it was so, uh, uncoordinated that they were, uh, they were thinking of having it put down. They were going to put it to sleep and Dawn and I worked on it. And as we worked, the horse was turning around and looking 
at its back legs and realizing for the first time that its back end was attached to its front end. The horse literally had did not understand that the, the neural pathways from the back legs to the brain hadn't really been formed. And as we worked on it, we helped the horse um, uh, open up new neural pathways. That horse was uh, sold um, some months later um, for $15,000 and became a champion jumper. Wow. Uh <laughs> yes, uh, but the Tellington-Jones equine awareness uh, method is really uh, very, very special. And, and Dawn and I uh, worked on that for several years, and uh, people kept giving us uh, animals that they couldn't take care of, and we just uh, kept uh, uh, collecting animals <laughs> until uh, I, had, uh, I had used every penny that I had taking care of the animals, and that's when we realized that we we had to become a 501c3. We had to become uh, a charity uh, so that we could take donations and take care of these animals properly. So that, that's that's how we got started. It, it, nothing was planned. It, it was just uh, uh, serendipity all the way. <laughs> wow. And uh, how, you've been in existence now as a nonprofit for uh, quite a while. Uh, do you have 1990, we, we incorporated in 1991. We started working together in 1986, and we incorporated in 1991. So your life brought you full circle back to the farm, and you redefined the farm and made it something much greater than it ever uh, was. Um, how do you do your fundraising? Uh, well, uh <sighs> The fundraising, uh, hmm. um, Dawn, uh, probably Dawn is more responsible uh, for uh, our fundraising than uh, any uh, publicity or anything we could do because Dawn has clients all over the world uh, who, who use her services as an animal communicator. And uh, they'll... They began uh, donating, and basically most of the, of the largest donations we have gotten have come from Dawn's clients. Um, wow. Uh, yeah, yeah. She's, uh, Dawn is, is something very special, very, very special. Um, it's amazing. She has a great talent. It seems like she has a great heart, and... Uh, um, she has the skills to help you keep the farm going, which is awesome. Yes, yes. Um, she uh, she is uh, if 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 you talk to people in the know, she is one of the four actual founders of animal communication. Uh, there are there are hundreds of, of animal communicators now, but when Dawn started out, uh, it was just her and three others that uh, uh, actually uh, got up the nerve to say to the world, I can talk to animals. <laughs> it was very frightening. To say. It, it took years before Dawn would actually admit it. She was terrified that people would think she was nuts. And, uh, but I, I recognized her talent, and I kept at her until she finally, finally admitted her talent to the world and began to use it. 
Has she also written books on animal communication? Uh, well, uh, she and I together wrote uh, 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 "If Only They Could Talk," the uh, the um, miracles of Spring Farm, and she has another book out now uh, of uh, "Animal Messages for the Soul," I believe is what what it is called. Okay. Yeah. That, that is awesome. Uh, and since we're on the topic of books, uh, there you've uh, lived a different chapter, a different life, and uh, became a best-selling author. And uh, why don't you walk us through that uh, part of your life uh, as well? And uh, the the one I'm especially interested in is the the Magdalene, which I believe I have, although it's in storage, because uh, it sounded very familiar when you were talking about it in our conversation. Um, and uh, but you have a book on unicorns, and it, it's it's incredibly awesome the range of materials uh, uh, you've written about. Well, uh, the first book was was the truth about unicorns. <clears throat> See, that was published, I think, in 1972. I think it was published, and uh, it is still uh, being sold. It's it's been republished again. Um, and, and all of my books are, are available on uh, Amazon or at your, you know, can be ordered through your bookstore. Um, but uh, the truth about unicorns was actually, um, excuse me, I'm just going to take a little sip of water here. Sure. Um, yeah, the, um, the truth about unicorns was actually the story of my, grandparent, my parents, grandparents, and great-grandparents. Um, it's about um, an upstate New York <laughs> farm family mm-hmm. invi- uh, involved with uh, witchcraft and the supernatural. Okay. And uh, my my grandfather, um, at the turn of of the century of of the, around 1900, was a very famous and wealthy um, Holstein cattle breeder. Uh, he managed to lose the whole thing in the in the depression, uh, and uh, there were a lot of wonderful stories about the family uh, that I put into the truth about unicorns. Um, that book took me ten years to write, <laughs> wow. um, and then uh, the next book was the Confetti Man. Um, that's the story of a. Uh, <sighs> Well, uh, actually, a young female grave robber. <laughs> okay. Whose whose great grandfather <laughs> flakes a lot, but you would too if you had been dead for a hundred years. <laughs> uh, my, my books, n- none of my books are really. Uh, they're all unicorns. Uh, they are all very very strange creatures. But um, the Confetti Man also did very, very well and was on some some bestseller lists out on the uh, West Coast. Uh, The Magdalene I wrote when I returned uh, home to Spring Farm. And uh, that was... um, I I got into that after reading Holy Blood, Holy Grail. An excellent Um, book. Yeah, yeah. And actually, I uh, went to Europe, and I traveled all through France and visited all of the sites that uh, were mentioned in that book, uh, 
Rennes-le-Chateau, for instance, and uh, Montsegur. Um, and I, I began to get very, very strong kind of messages about, about the Magdalene and, mm-hmm. uh, and her marriage to, uh, to Jesus. They definitely they were married. I I have no doubt whatsoever that the wedding in Cana was their own wedding. Theirs, yes. Yes. And um, I began, uh, one day I just sat down and started writing it, and the strange thing is that I can hardly remember writing it. And wow. I read it now. As, as I was waiting to call you tonight, I haven't. Oh, I haven't looked. I haven't read this book now since uh, four or five years, and I was just reading some of it, and I. It was like reading something that another person had written. I can't really, really remember writing this thing. It was as though I was having help. If you know what I mean. Yes, I do. Um, that, that's awesome. Actually, I I have the feeling that uh, the things that I put into this book, I have the feeling that I actually, in another life, was there and that I heard these things that I put into the book being said and and lived through part of it myself. Um, that may, you know... To some people, that might sound a little bit strange, but I have no other way to explain the Magdalene. This is, uh, I'm standing here looking at the book, and uh, again, I cannot believe that I wrote this thing. I read some of it, and it is so beautiful, and there is such wisdom and such a knowledge, and such a knowledge of uh, what the situation was actually like in Palestine at that time, and what was going on in uh, with the the uh, the Pharisees and the Sadducees and and the the the, uh, the temp the the what was going on in the Jewish temple there. Um, I, I I just I just can't explain where everything came from. If I was not having help, well, I can certainly understand uh, that. And uh, uh, again, I believe I do have your book uh, somewhere because uh, the more you talk about it, the more memories come up. And I was very heavily into the Grail Mysteries for uh, many years. Uh, mm-hmm. What sparked my interest initially was a book called Holy Blood, Holy Grail. Uh-huh. And then, then I discovered uh, um, the Passover plot. Uh, which yes. opened up further doors, and uh, before you know it, I was immersed in uh, the the Grail, and I resonated as did you very powerfully with the Merovingians, and yes. uh, I'm, I'm a Lemnian Greek, um, and the Lemnian Greeks uh, that's the island where Jason the Argonauts landed, where they met the Amazons. Yes. So we have some very old traditions, older than Greece uh, itself, uh, on uh, the, the Greek heroes and so forth. So uh, some of the Merovingian uh, mythos uh, 
uh, resonates very powerfully. It ties uh, the original Theban Hercules to Samson uh, in the mm-hmm. Near East. And some of the things like the, the bees with the honey uh, and the long hair and uh, uh, a lot of other features about the Merovingians, how they were holy kings, uh, that resonated very powerfully with my native mythology. So uh, for a while, I identified very strongly with uh, the Merovingians and their dilemma. And uh, I was great uh, it was great when you shared your connection with the Merovingians, and that's something I'd like to explore because I believe that it's very important uh, for the period of history we, fi- we currently find ourselves in. Uh, yes. Well, uh, th- that was another 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 reason that I got very interested in Holy Blood, Holy uh, Grail, because my uh, my ancestry is uh, well, it's it's a genealogist wet dream really i mean i i have such fabulous fabulous ancestors and many of them uh, royal um and uh of course i i end up being descended from the merovingians uh cool. that which, which was one of the reasons that i became so interested in holy blood holy grail, grail because um it was it was uh, uh like a voyage uh to try to find my own self when i went to france and and uh, wandered all through france visiting all of the sites the merovingian sites um it was uh studying my own self and my own family history in a, in a way in a way um i have someone that i met here he's a mason and he's also descended from uh, Merovingians, and he also took a pilgrimage uh, um, to uh, France, you know, to visit these uh, places. So uh, mm-hmm. after I interviewed him, I was thinking of having you both on. That would be a very rich uh, uh, program as you uh, filled in the blanks on, on many of the questions that people had about the Merovingians. Uh, yes. Um of course, the the uh, theory put forward in Holy Blood, Holy Grail is that actually the Merovingians were uh, descendants of the the uh, children of uh, Jesus and and uh, and the Magdalene. Yes. Um, which and that there was a direct bloodline from uh, that pair that uh, that flowed through the Merovingians, whether that's true or not. Uh, we'll probably we'll probably never really know never for know. sure, but it's a it's a fascinating uh, fascinating um, thought. I, one of the things that I bought and that in in my kitchen um, over the, uh, the the sideboard in my kitchen, I have a huge uh, copy of The Last Supper. Mm. Um, and and I and I look up and and I see uh, Jesus and uh, and who I believe was the Ma- the the Magdalene, not a man, but a woman seated mm-hmm. beside Jesus in in that particular painting. And I I look up and I I wonder if I'm looking at ancestors. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> now, how about the Da Vinci Code? Uh, it seems like every 20 years or so, uh, this information is represented to the, the public. Um, there was uh, the Da Vinci Code around 20 years ago. There was Holy Blood, Holy Grail. And 20 years before that, there was something called the Arco Volume, if I remember correctly, uh, that also shared the same information. So it does seem like there's somebody someplace or a bunch of somebody someplace that makes sure that every generation this information is, uh, is uh, represented and, and made available. Each time it's presented, it causes a stir. Uh, and it leads to a lot of research into the Priory of Sion and uh, the Masons and the Templars and uh, um, what was going on at the temple and uh, the Hospitallers and, and, and so forth. So uh, I, I truly believe that there are secret societies that, that do this. Uh, yes, yes. Uh, the, the secret societies uh, have been guarding... Um, secrets for thousands of years now. I'm, uh, are you? You are. I'm sure that you're f- uh, familiar with the Anunnaki. Yes. Yeah. Well, um, I think that actually the secret society started with the Anunnaki, and that the and the the uh, priest kings uh, uh, that, as they say, came down to earth um, with the Anunnaki uh, were given certain secrets and i believe that these secrets have been guarded by the secret societies for for 6000 years now at least since the the days of the sumerians so there's some very very ancient uh wisdom uh that that someone somewhere has and once in a while uh you know like a like a porpoise of of jumping through the waves once in a while it surfaces and you can see uh and then it dives down again and we lose track of it but then it'll pop its head up someplace else and uh just to tantalize us with the the secret information that somewhere or some organization some group has and is guarding i do believe I'm of the same mind, and uh, uh, my own published writings, uh, no book yet, but a bunch of uh, uh, entries into anthologies and magazine articles and so forth, uh, I explore those mysteries, and I've come to very much the same uh, conclusion. Um, mm-hmm. Because I'm Greek and I was raised with the, the Greek material, uh, a lot of the information contained in the mythology uh, if you read it and don't look at it as mythology, it reveals a lot of information. Uh, like, for instance, uh, uh, there were many writings that uh, presented the fact that to the Olympians, uh, our lives were a form of entertainment. And uh, with uh, Philip K. Dick and then the uh, quantum uh, physicians uh, that uh, followed that, that science fiction author, um, now we're understanding a bit more about the nature of our reality and how it is very much a projection. And a lot of the ancient teachings that we had, like that everything is light uh, and uh, that uh, it's all an illusion uh, and we ourselves are, are an illusion. Uh, these types of things uh, from antiquity are now being reinforced by modern uh, science. So um, a lot of that 
wisdom that we had in the past that seemed very mysterious and odd is now becoming uh, common knowledge. And we're seeing it happen through like video games and other forms of entertainment that are immersive. And that's all made of light. Everything in a video game is light. Everything on our television screens is made of light. Uh, Everything in the 3D entertainment technology they have now where you feel totally immersed are are light. And that's uh, something very old from the Vedas that everything is composed of uh, light. So um, the the ancients did know a lot about our, our predicament and our situation and uh, in the Greek mythology it wasn't done through cloning as a lot of people believe today but through selective breeding as you would uh, a horse or a dog or a cat Uh, and that uh, basically humanity was selectively bred and certain bloodlines or certain like thoroughbreds uh, uh, among the uh, animal kingdom which we do uh, certain lines of humanity were bred for specific purposes, including containing the essence of uh, the Anunnaki uh, or the Olympians or uh, whatever you want to call these beings uh, as a vehicle for which they can incarnate and interact uh, with us in this world. So that's a uh, wow. That's a whole other area <laughs> that we can explore. Yes, I I believe that if you really really want to understand history and study history, uh, start picking up uh, books on mythology because the books on mythology uh, have an understanding of our real history uh, going back eons upon eons. And uh, that, that's, uh, it's for, for people to say, oh, that's just a myth. Well, I'm sorry. That's probably the greatest truth that you're ever going to find. Uh, not just a myth. I mean, I mean what, actually, the, the 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 most untruth is fi- is found in books of history, because most of the books of history were written by court historians, who yes. were uh, shining up to the king or whatever. The only place where you're really going to find true history is in mythology. I'm in agreement, and that is an excellent place to take a brief five-minute break. Um, And wow, uh, you've opened up all sorts of other doors. Uh, I'm very sorry that we only have half an hour more to go. (laughs) Oh, well. Okay. We're going to listen to Bone Poets Orchestra, Cry Freedom, and then we will be back with Bonnie Jones.
Welcome back to the Elysium Project and the Age of Heroes. I am Hercules Invictus, and on our first segment, we have Bonnie Jones Reynolds, an incredible individual with not one, but a countless number of incredible stories. Greetings and welcome back. 
Thank you. I'm still here. I'm I'm glad that you are. Wow, the Anunnaki and ancient civilizations, uh, uh, that's an ongoing thing. So I'm definitely going to invite you back uh, to talk about uh, that. Um, So currently your journey has brought you back to the beginning and you're you're doing something with uh, the farm. But again, this is just the first half of your journey. What do you intend on doing with uh, the second half of your journey? Oh, heavens, you know, I don't know. I, I, I seem to have changed direction or, or found wonderful thing, new things to do like every five years. My direction okay. has seemed to change. And I, and I never really know, uh, you know, what probability I am going to choose, uh, you know, what waveforms I will collapse from the informational field around me and what new journey or adventure I will be off on. Uh, there's just, there's just so much to do in this life. It's, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a shame that, uh, that it's so short for so many of us. Yes. Uh, but unfortunately some people don't do much with the years that they've got or that I don't know whether, whether they're afraid to uh, do do things or not, I I I I in listening to that song, that uh, by the way, what was that group that uh, that was singing there? I I what was the name of that group? It was Bone Poets Orchestra. The the song is called Cry Freedom. I play it fairly often, but after listening to it, I knew I had to play it uh, after what uh, you had talked about. Yeah, it's fabulous. And, you know, the one line that really hit me there of, of basically talking about to don't be afraid to speak out and say the truth. Right. Uh, that we're, we're in a world right now where uh, the thought police are, are closing in on us. And, uh, you know, you can get in, uh, into a great deal of trouble nowadays by saying the wrong word to the wrong person or about everybody is so uh, they, they get insulted so quickly or or they you know they they're um, we have our snowflakes who have all their safe places in the colleges and they they don't want to hear anything that that might be an idea that uh, that they have not been taught in the college, and they run to their safe spaces and refuse to uh, hear any thoughts that are not exactly uh, what they think they believe or what they have been taught to believe. And it's it's uh, speaking out and telling one's truth in this world today is becoming very very difficult. You're correct, and it it is very unfortunate. Um, I've tried to address that in my own small way on this uh, podcast. Uh, First, we did uh, uh, intrafaith and interfaith type of conversations, and Mm -hmm. uh, we invited people. Again, nobody was obliged to agree with anybody, but just to, to understand why people believe what they believe or what they believe and, and uh, how it motivates their actions. And uh, we had folks from uh, a lot of different uh, spiritualities and religions. And uh, we found that 
if you don't attack somebody, if you just listen to what they have to say, uh, you gain a greater understanding. And even though there are some things you're not going to agree on, there are lots of things that you actually do agree on. So if you mm-hmm. show things you don't agree on, and let's keep talking about it till we better understand, and let's agree to disagree, there are so many things that we agree on that we can work on those things in the, in the meanwhile. Uh, and then we started doing it with uh, politics. So uh, I have some folks on the show that you know pretty much see the world very similarly to the way I do, but then I have folks who see it very differently, and it's the same rules. It's like I really want to understand uh, because I don't. Uh, sometimes, you know, when people act from certain stances. And I'm finding that if we just respectfully listen and agree to disagree and then focus on commonalities, we can do a lot of good in the world and make our lives a lot better. But if we polarize and attack each other all the time, or we're so sensitive to what people are saying that we get outraged, uh, it doesn't really yes. help anything. Yes, and, but unfortunately, this is what... Uh... Actually, I think that this is being done to our society purposely. I, th- I think that there is uh, a ver- something very, very dark behind what is happening in our society. Um, I believe that as uh, well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I, <laughs> starting with uh, with 9/11. Uh, well, actually, I started uh, reading. Uh, verboten or forbidden things um, many, many years ago. And I've always been looking for uh, other ideas and other ways of, of looking at things and searching for the truth. And, and in that search for the truth, you find very many uh, ideas about what the, the truth of any one situation is. And mm-hmm. um, I, have, I have spent the last 20 years reading, oh, just studying our history back uh, to uh, over the last 200 years and understanding the lies, the complete lies that um, our society has been made to believe as an article, as articles of faith. And um, I... I have learned so much, but you can't talk to anybody about what you have learned because they they want to believe what the court historians have written about uh, these last 200 years, and they don't want to know what really, really happened. Um, and it, it's very... It's a very lonely place to be. I'm I'm in a very lonely place now because I feel that I have I have with my studies I have learned so much that nobody that, that I can't talk to anybody about. It's it's lonely. That's sad. Yes, I, I understand uh, that that feeling exactly because I also study esoteric uh uh, things and out of the way type of things, and it's blatant sometimes uh, the untruth. Uh, I'm Greek oh. and I understand the Greek language, 
And uh, when they were talking about the Greeks in the European Union and how they were lazy and uh, they were protesting the austerities, and uh, I could understand what their signs said, and I could understand, I could hear what they were saying. And that wasn't mm-hmm. what was happening at all. We were, we were being shown a clip where something totally different. They were protesting the Bilderberg Group and uh, the banking organizations that had impoverished them. Mm-hmm. And they were to draw international attention to the fact that, you know, uh, basically this was a deliberate attempt uh, by, uh, you know, by uh, banking powers to, you know, and that's what they were saying and that's what their sign said. But when it was uh, presented in English, a totally different interpretation was was put on. It was really, yeah. it, it would have been funny if it wasn't horrible. You know, uh, it it was just very strange. Yes, yes. Well, um, <laughs> you know, uh, you you get to a point where it, uh, I'm. There are some things that I want to write. The next book that I write uh, is is going to be very brave, uh, uh, and maybe I won't make the next eighty years because someone is liable to shoot me for the things I'm going to write. <laughs> yeah, you you ha- you get to a point where you say I can't I I simply can't take this anymore. I can't can't look around and see the the absolute ignorance, <laughs> uh, historical ignorance, uh, and 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 what people are believed to be the truth. And not be able to say anything. So I, I guess I guess I'm just going to have to get very brave, and start writing about it and putting it out there and and uh, taking the slings and the arrows that will certainly come my way. Well, we have disclosure shows uh, on my channel, so mm-hmm. when you're ready to talk about that, you're more than welcome to come there. Uh, one of our hosts is Nick Curdo. He's the director mm-hmm. of Disclosure Network New York. Uh, and he's on uh, uh, a couple of uh, times uh, a month, and uh, he also he has his own shows, and he also comes as a guest on other shows. And I've spoken at his disclosure uh, network uh, on some of the Anunnaki type related uh, things about mythology mm-hmm. and, and what it tells us about uh, modern history, uh, and that it's not just fanciful tales. It really gives you a lot of insight into what's uh, going on. Uh, so you're welcome to speak uh, there. And uh, we started integrating Project Preceptor, which is a disclosure group that's forming in Utah. Uh, and I'm giving them a show, too. So they're discussing similar types of things. So uh, mm-hmm. as long as people can honestly share this information, um, the, the information will you know, get out there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> oh dear. Uh well anyway, um oh oh just to kind of get away from that because that's very very depressing to me at the moment. I'm depressing okay, well, myself with what well, I'm saying. What what one of my the favorite books that I wrote was uh, Bikram's Beginning Yoga Class. Uh do you know uh, Bikram Choudhury, the the hot yoga fellow? Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, I wrote that book. I wrote his book for him. Yeah. And um, I'm really proud of that book because uh, it was published in 1978. And um, it's uh, still 
still selling. It sold well over a million copies. And wow. uh, with that book, I think that uh, I'm probably prouder of that than any other book I've written except the Magdalene uh, because I know that I've helped so many people uh, find uh, the, the, the yoga and, and the benefits that, uh, that this yoga can, can give to people. I, I myself, I, do, I still do it every day. Um, and I have done this yoga now for, well, since uh, about 1974 is when I started wow. uh, working with Bikram. Um, unfortunately, Bikram himself uh, has gotten into all kinds of trouble recently, when, uh, and I think is not even in the country anymore. But his book is still selling, and I really um, I encourage people uh, to to get that book and um, and actually start doing uh, Bikram's yoga and you don't have to do it in 105 degrees that's ridiculous <laughs> totally ridiculous this business of the hot yoga forget it you know you want a room that's maybe 80 85 degrees but certainly <laughs> certainly not uh, 105 degrees I'm I'm not that kind of a masochist we, we have especially in uh, Tenafly, here it's like become kind of like a craze, the hot yoga. Oh, yeah, it's ridiculous. I, when, when I started out and when I wrote the book for, for Bikram, uh, this hot yoga, that, that, this is a gimmick that he has come up with over the years. Uh, when when I started doing it, the, the room would be warm. I mean, probably maybe up to 90 degrees or 85 or 90 degrees. But but that was just uh, you don't want to do yoga on cold muscles. That's when you get hurt. You can hurt yourself if you if you try to do yoga on on unprepared or cold muscles. But uh, 105 degrees—that's totally ridiculous, and and uh, it's it, it's just a gimmick. Uh, that's uh, especially if you're going to do it alone at home. I mean, you have to be a self-starter. Uh, I uh -huh. do it here by myself every day, and uh, you, you don't want to uh, you want to enjoy it rather than uh, than than dreading it. Um, I looked at the clock. We're almost out of time. This hour went by way too quickly, and uh, um, I enjoyed speaking with you very much. Um, two questions I'm going to ask. One is, how can folks uh, learn more about the wonderful things that uh, you're doing? Oh, well, uh, actually, uh, springfarmcares.org. That's uh, springfarmcares, C-A-R-E-S. Dot org. Uh, that that is our our website. It's a very very uh, interesting website. Um, if anybody wants to if anybody wants to be in touch with me uh, in regard to any of my books, uh, I can I can give uh, an email address. Um, okay. Yeah, that's just Reynolds Bonnie, thirty eight, at. Uh, gmail.com and are, is your organization Spring Farms Cares uh, a charity on Facebook? Uh, yes, yes uh, uh, we are on Facebook definitely now I'm not a techie 
Uh, Dawn is, and she handles all of the Facebook and all of that that stuff. Um, I, I, <laughs> I never get onto Facebook myself. <laughs> I, I function with a telephone and email, and and that that is the extent of my technical ability. Uh, but definitely, yes, we're we're on Facebook. Okay, um, if you can ask, or I'll send you an email and uh, um, ask if you're a charity on Facebook, uh, because a lot of my uh, um, outreach happens on Facebook, I'll gladly post a link to your charity every couple of weeks. This way, people want to donate to what you're doing, they can do so easily. Oh, that that would be very, very nice, yes. And uh, and uh, uh, they will definitely enjoy that. Dawn has done uh, the uh, the website herself. She has, she's just, she is so darn talented, and it's just a great website. So uh, people will will really enjoy it if if they uh, if they get onto that and they'll find out all about us and all about the animals. We have around 300 animals that we care wow. for here. Yeah. <laughs> for folks who are on Facebook, I put links to. Uh, uh, all of Bonnie's uh, things I put uh, to the Spring Farms Cares, to her website, to um, her books on Amazon. <laughs> so there's a lot of links there uh, if you want to explore uh, Bonnie's life further. And the, the last question is uh, you stated earlier, and I agree with you, and this is part of why I do what I do. Um, life is so wonderful and it's so short, as you've uh, stated, uh, and you can live many lives in, in one life, and it's very rich, uh, and not all of them are easy, but it, it's very exciting, and uh, um, what advice do you have, uh, what advice do you have to give to people who aren't um, embracing life and living life? Um. I would just say uh, start listening to the still small voice um, <laughs> within you uh, instead of running away from from it. We all have uh, we all are we all get help. Our our oversouls, our our greater selves are all always whispering to us and 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 suggesting things for us and and. Uh, be brave enough to take take a chance. Uh, I've, that's just been the way that that I have always done it. Uh, I get an idea about something and I just do it. Just do it. <laughs> that's, that's my advice. Thank you so very much, Bonnie Jones Reynolds. You're awesome. Continue to be awesome, and I look forward to our next uh, conversation. Thank you so much, Hercules. And uh, to those at home, we're going to have a brief break listening to Bone Poets Orchestra again, this time Evolve, and then we'll be back with Dr. Barbara Becker-Holstein.
to the Elysium Project. I'm your host, Hercules Invictus, and we're now beginning the second half of the show. We seem to have a connectivity problem, and I will play a song to see if we can fix it. Uh, this is Oracle by Bumpotes Orchestra. Come away
is up to. She got some business just included. She is older than creation, and she ain't got time for fools. Do you really want to see? Some future in the palm of your hand. Tell me what's it gonna be? Do you really think you really wanna? Project. I'm Hercules Invictus. Um, we do not have our guest, Dr. Barbara Becker Holstein, at this time. So what I will do is I will give you an orientation to the show uh, and to what it's all about. I am Hercules Invictus. 
My Olympian mission is to promote lifelong personal development, human empowerment, out-of-the-box thinking, creative self-expression, and a dedication of one's unique talents to community service. All of my labors in this lifetime celebrate the hero's journey in myth, legend, spirituality, popular culture, and in daily life. I firmly believe that the human spirit is essentially heroic and always seeking ways to express its innate nobility and greatness, and that a life fully lived, dedicated to actualizing the highest we can conceive, is the noblest expression of human life. The best way to reach me is on Facebook under my name, Hercules Invictus, H. E-R-C-U-L-E-S Invictus I-N-V as in Victor I-C-T-U-S We'll now go to another song uh, From all these wonderful songs that we have here This one's by Bran Kirdorian And called The King of Dreams Do you see the light? 
And welcome back to the Elysium Project I am Hercules Invictus Your host And what we're doing now is we're listening to music And I'm providing All our listeners with an orientation To uh, what we're all about So I continue With my primal vision Now the primal vision Is something that uh, I first Had uh, as a child Very early on in my childhood In fact and it has accompanied me, guided me, and informed me throughout my life. The vision is as vivid today as it was when I first uh, had it. And as I progress through my sojourn, uh, the ending becomes increasingly more vivid and clear. Uh, every now and then, uh, when enough of it is revealed, I share it. Uh, and I've always openly uh, shared it. So here is my primal vision. I glimpse the top of a mountain shrouded in mist. Hovering on high, I can discern the ruins of an ancient Acropolis complex in the timeless twilight. I wait alone, formless in the silence. In time, a lone figure, powerfully built and clad in the skin of a lion, makes his way toward the abandoned temple of the highest. His hair and beard are still mostly brown, though streaked with white and gray. In his right hand, he wields a knobby club studded with bronze. My consciousness enters this figure, and henceforth I see through his eyes. I know that I am now Hercules, son of Zeus, and progenitor of my line. Entering the fallen structure, I move through it unerringly until I reach a rectangular stone table, a long neglected altar to the Olympians. Upon the altar is an antique horn from a heavenly bull, I tell myself. I then realize that I've been here many times before and that I know exactly what I must do. 
The horn is of monstrous size and etched with arcane glyphs. Some of the etchings are inlaid with silvery metal. I put down my club, cautiously lift the artifact to my lips, then blow into the smaller end with all my strength. The bellowing echoes through the firmaments. From the horn of summoning, still in hand, I exit the temple and peer purposefully into the murky skies near where I myself once hovered. I can detect faint presences, spirits that have answered my summons who will help me in carrying out my Olympian mission. Some take on form while others remain formless. But this I know, all who have responded will assist me in some unique and important way. And with this realization, the vision starts to fade. I am blessed with a brief glimpse of the ruins restored to the former glory. The sky is lambent, blue and clear. There are mythic beings engaged in joyous activity, I myself among them. And I realize that this is Mount Olympus, my eternal point of origin and return, my heaven and my soul's true form. And now we will go to a quick song, The Cauldron Born, and then we will return. Within this darkened hall 
of the cauldron's brew and magic she will give to you. You will dance in the eye of the storm, your Keridwen's children, the cauldron born. Cauldron born, cauldron born. 
those not in the know, the cauldron of Keridwin is another form that the Grail takes, that vessel of transformation. Uh, we spoke a little bit earlier with Bonnie Jones Reynolds, and she shared uh, some of the Grail mysteries and her experiences uh, with them. Thank you. Uh, and uh, now we will proceed with uh, our program. Hugh Trollson, who has been a guest on our show uh, several times, is called in. So we'll welcome him uh, uh, to our conversation. Greetings and welcome, Hugh. How are you? I'm terrific, Hercules. What a wonderful segment you had with Bonnie Joan Reynolds, an amazing Thank woman. You. She sounds like she's in her 20s, and it's so hard to believe she reached Jack Benny's age already, 39. Wow. <laughs> she's in, she's, uh, yes, yeah, she's in her 80s, she shared with us, and she's looking forward to another 80 years. And uh, she certainly has a lot uh, left to explore and a lot left uh, to contribute. She's an awesome individual, and I thank you for uh, connecting us. For those who don't know Hugh, he is a networker par excellence, and uh, he's very good at. Uh, connecting people and uh, uh, helping to move their projects uh, forward. We all have that ability and we all have networks. So now's the time to really use the internet the way it was meant to be by caring and sharing with one another and opening up and creating opportunities that will empower and bless others. And that will be a blessing back to those who do that to help other people, especially those who can't help themselves. And when you're out and about in your Hercules uh, adventures, I think it might be great to do a remote from up there on Spring Farm Cares because there's a lot of paranormal that happens on the farm there. You didn't get into that, but that could be a not, whole not other today, show. But, uh, she'll be a frequent uh, guest on the show, and she shared uh, uh, even some of her background with uh, secret societies in the Anunnaki. So uh, right. there's a lot there to uh, explore. Uh, today was just an introduction. I was uh, surprised at the, the riches of her life and uh, her experience. Wonderful. And now, in the I'm I've sorry? never attempted this before. I've never attempted this before, but I will attempt to uh, play uh, your uh, video uh, on yourself and my Angelou here on uh, YouTube. So yeah, I just wanted to that. preface it before you attempt it, just to let people sure. know what it is. I had the pleasure of coming on to a blog talk show that my Angelou was a guest and uh, mentioned my poem to her that I authored. That's in the President Ronald Reagan Library. It's titled Caring Sharing. It's also uh, discussed as a weapon against terrorism. And to hear what she had to say about the poem is so appropriate for right now with all the racial divide coming up again and all the chaos going on. So she's discussing the power of words, how they can affect people in a positive way or a negative way. So I hope it will come through clear enough. Otherwise, maybe you can put a, a link or people can just Google my name, Hugh, H-U-G-H, Trollson, T like Tom, R-A-U-L-S-E-N like Nancy, and then put the words and Maya, M-A-Y-A, Angelo, A-N-G-E-L-O-U, and you'll be able to pull it up and listen to it uh, on your own if it doesn't come through clearly. But let's hope it does. So go ahead. I'll enjoy listening. I, I hope it does, too. And for those of you who are on Facebook and uh, use Facebook as your primary portal to the show, uh, I've already placed a link there. So here goes, uh, and let's see what happens.
Wow, that was uh, pretty powerful. It was, and it came through okay, and people, again, can play it through the link that you gave them. And that's where, again, this woman has had so much negativity in her early life with sexual abuse and all kinds of things where she didn't even speak for years. And I don't think she got any kind of a psychological help that you're a positive psychologist who was going to come on uh, to speak uh, uh, was available to my Angela. I think she worked it all out to her own spirituality, which is, and I think she had like 70 something honorary doctorate degrees. What a, what a wonderful gift to the world. So I hope people will even just Wikipedia and see her life, but even that she's back in spirit to have that is a, a, a cherished thing for me to know as a white male to have this black woman speaking to about a poem that I authored. That's where it shows we have to change what racism is and reach out to each other with respect and uh, learn from each other's stories and, and progress in a positive timeline, understanding that nobody ever wins an argument, that's a fact, and being solution-oriented. So I have some posts related to that on the Twitter page, uh, too, that people might take an interest in, including an interview that was... You are now aiming for a higher level of, uh, of people in terms of getting your message out, uh, and that is very uh, inspiring. So tell us about these uh, Twitter posts. Well, uh, I go into all different areas, as you know, and as you do with your shows, too. I've had uh, some very bizarre life experiences, but uh, like Bonnie was saying, too, you got to do something. you got to take an action uh, I worked 100 hour weeks, but that didn't stop me from testing my own ability, seeking out what talents might I have that are hidden. So just from my own business knowledge of having successful entrepreneurial type parents, I opened up a sole proprietorship and functioned as an independent international marketing consultant. And I uh-huh. even had a top uh, international marketing and franchising a gentleman who was world-renowned, knew my background, and actually took a deep personal interest in me and was looking to get an organization started based on what he knew I had in my mind and my brain. And His name was David D. Seltz, S-E-L-T-Z. You can Wikipedia him, too. He authored, I think, 20-something books, one of his Last book published by McGraw-Hill was titled Branchising, Be Like Boy, R-A-N-C-H-I-S-I-N-G, Ways for Companies to Expand and Diversify. And he actually had a book on uh, finances. Uh, it was like an encyclopedia and other books about franchising. And uh, through an understanding of him down the road, what I'm looking to do today is somehow eventually 
franchise the entire global information age, and that can uh-huh. develop that can develop into all kinds of wonderful opportunities with like a global interactive television where you have people coming on from different countries just discussing their business interests and probably doing uh, live deals right on the uh, on the air. And then I also thought of a, an international business Olympics. We have had the Olympic Games for many, many years, and I got the idea back in 2008 when I had a friend tell me the meaning of the, uh, uh, the why the Chinese uh, uh, chose 2008 for the business for their Olympic Games. But the power behind eight is all about. Uh, I guess it's very uh, powerful. Uh, number related to manifesting and money and all kinds of stuff like that. So it's the infinity symbol sideways. So uh, yes, there you go. Right. So I thought, wow, you know, here we have people and there's a lot of problems sometimes with just the athletes looking to get the upper edge with drugs and things. But what about this? Why not create an international business Olympics where handicapped people sitting at home and uh, in, in their own country can work with a company, bring forth the best company in your particular country that can show how they're, uh, what I say, is being good to their employees, their customers, the environment, and giving back to the community in ethical, legal, moral, transparent ways. What a way for each country to bring forth a company like that and show it off to the world and have people participating in their own countries that can't even get the games because they may have a handicap or this or that or whatever. So there's so much that could be done with the internet and people are really Facebooking and Twittering their lives away if they're just looking at all this mainstream stuff and allowing sound bites to keep their mind drifting here and drifting there instead of just saying, who am I? Look in the mirror. Uh, and, and ask yourself, you know, who's controlling me? And understand that there is a God that created you. Now, I've run into some people that say they're God, but I, I laugh at that and say, tell me how you created yourself. You'll entertain me for about a half a second. But we all have a God spark in us, which grows when we get that heart to God connection uh, tight and uh, and start using our creative abilities, which can be unlimited. Uh, Jesus said even greater things than what he did can be accomplished. Now, along those lines, I actually asked Jesus Christ to be my business partner. I'm not looking to outdo Jesus at all, but to have him as my business partner, it makes me as an unlimited well of creativity as well as a creative intelligent force, and uh, everything I ask be done in his way and his time. So even if I'm just planting seeds, if that's all I'm meant to do, I'm very happy with that. And I uh, am disabled myself at this stage. I'll be 75 in September. I'm in the veterans healthcare system. I don't do anything inbound or outbound personally on the internet, which you know, but it doesn't mm-hmm. stop me as long as I have a telephone and my smartphone with a web browser. I can see what's going on on the internet and make connections with people through phone calls and snail mail. And I have my business partner that will interact, too, with uh, emails uh, when it's appropriate. So here again, uh, none of this would be accomplished if I just sat like so many people do in these senior independent apartment buildings. What a waste of a brain power we have out there that they survived this long and they 
some will have to just sit there all day and gossip about each other and fight <laughs> amongst things that they don't agree with. Uh, they could be instead a focus group for a company or for the community to solve problems, giving them incentive for that. Maybe bring in uh, uh, some uh, one of these uh, chef operations that can cater a beautiful lobster dinner or <laughs> steak. <laughs> Wouldn't that be exciting for some of these people? Well, it's uh, it's interesting that you bring that up. I'm the chairman of the Access for All uh, committee here in my town in Tenafly, and uh, uh, we report to the mayor and council. And uh, our primary function is to make sh- make sure that our borough is compliant with Americans with Disabilities uh, Act uh, uh, guidelines and legislation. So, uh, in fact, uh, tonight before the show, uh, we had a teleconference. Uh, and uh, we took advantage of the fact that we have the technology now to meet without being physically uh, uh, present. So uh, we're always looking for ways to uh, expand the accessibility of our resources, you know, any resources that the borough and beyond has to offer to all our uh, residents. Uh, So uh, I'm very interested in what you said, and I'd like to learn uh, more on a later episode. Yeah, well, I mean, we could discuss that off air, too, and that's, again, where Dave Solano and I can put together strategies that you can test locally and then maybe even develop it into something that can be franchisable for seniors all across the country and around the world. That sounds very interesting. In fact, uh, is Dave local to uh, um, uh, Bergen County? Well, he's in, he's in Queens, Long Island, but he comes into Manhattan quite often and uh, uh, and Brooklyn. I might invite him. We're not that far away. We're a very short ride from uh, Manhattan, so I might invite him over to speak at one of our meetings, and this way he can. I think uh, that'd be wonderful uh, too. Yeah. He can address and, uh, council people and uh, uh, people with uh, disabilities and uh, people who work with seniors and uh, who have uh, different perspectives. Right, and that's the another thing. A lot of people uh, they hear things all the time. And I, I remember even as a young boy, preteen, uh, some relative or somebody used to keep complaining all the time how he could have actually gotten the initial stock option for Coca-Cola. <laughs> and all he did was complain about how rich he could have been. Shoulda, coulda, woulda doesn't get you anywhere. So take the action. And if you have a mistake, learn from it. I, I love giving the example I heard about Thomas Edison, who it took him, I think, 10,000 times to finally uh, invent the light bulb. And he was asked about that by a reporter who said, why did it take you uh, all these mistakes, 10,000 mistakes, until you finally found the right way? He said, I didn't make any mistakes. It just took me 10,000 times uh, to find the right way to do it. That's all. Right, right. And a lot of people so, give up after one or two. That's attempts. exactly, and usually that's, they always say it's darkest before the dawn, which is so true. So that's the point. Don't give up if you have to let go and let God at that point and ask for that divine help and guidance and be open and heighten your awareness. And here again, I love what Bonnie has up there uh, with the Spring Farm Cares because I say nature is God's classroom. Put down the devices. Just get out and resonate with it. It's, it will lower your stress and heighten your awareness. And when you come back inside, everything will have a whole new perspective, a lot calmer for sure. 
that, that that's very true. And uh, um, as a uh, individual, I'm always encouraging people to um, find the divine spark. And people will understand it differently, like a Christian will understand it as the indwelling Christ. Uh, and other people will understand it different. Like with me, it's Mount Olympus. Uh, but find that and tap into it because, as you say, it's a phenomenally powerful uh, uh, resource and it is there to help you. And that's where, too, that you have to be careful with the ego. And that's right. Uh, I'll, I'll say this, too, just so people can pull it up. There's a wonderful YouTube presentation done by a group of psychologists. One includes Deepak Chopra. It's titled Ego, the Ultimate Chess Game. Very well done. Uh, Deepak Chopra, though, said there is no devil, which I take exception to because I have a, a picture on one of the pages on the big website from related to the church I was married in, the miraculous photos, one supposedly captures the face of the devil. <laughs> so it just oh, goes wow. to show there's yeah, it shows us more dimensions uh, than we're aware of. That website actually is the letters smwa.org. And uh, when you get onto the site, choose the language and then look in the heading where it says miraculous photos. That would be something too to look over. It's quite a big site and uh, it's very interesting. It was a, a seer of Veronica Lucan in Bayside where I and my wife grew up and she was having visions of the Blessed Mother and the angels and saints and stuff and this whole series of radio programs and to this day at times when they have vigils and people come and take pictures, unexplained images appear on the photographs. So again, it spooks a lot of people out, but that that's where people have to open up more and understand everything you look around you think is solid. It's not. If you put your hand on their very powerful microscope you'll see it's not solid at all everything is energy so it's a question of how you're using your energy and the law of attraction is simple and basic what you put out you get back so you want to use your energy in a, a negative way and have that come back i say use it in a positive loving way unconditional love i say that the essence of life is forgiveness love and prayer even though i've had so many negative things happen to me uh, those who chose to step onto my truth are accountable for that. I seek no vengeance, only to bring the story forth as a learning lesson for everybody. <laughs> I've had UFO, paranormal, and near death, and I even discuss in interviews too. Where I, uh, back in the early 80s, I had a call from an IRS person. They said they were with the IRS and they wanted to come and talk to me about my taxes. I said, I got my refund check. It didn't bounce. If you have the right kind of identification, come on, let's go. And he came at the appointed hour and flashed a Secret Service badge. I came in and made him coffee, and he started asking me all kinds of questions, and it finally reached the point. I said, can you at least tell me what this is all about? He said, well, there was an unsigned letter received at the U.S. Embassy in London, England, mentioning my name and somebody else who had accepted 500,000 pounds British sterling from a Libyan strongman to assassinate President Reagan. It was total BS, and <laughs> I never heard anything further after him interviewing me, but here's the paradox. I have my poem, Caring Sharing, in the President Ronald Reagan Library. So how do you explain those kinds of uh, interesting paradoxes and synchronicities? And I'm, I have all kinds of them from my past, and in the present, I'm 
discovering them all the time. So that's a whole big area that really has to be tapped into in the quantum field, synchronicities. People should explore that because we all have them. Yes, we do, and uh, that is one of the major focuses of my particular uh, uh, journey, uh, you know, paying very close attention for synchronicities. And once you start looking for them, that you spot them more readily, and it's amazing how many of them we have. Life is not what we think it to be. It's something uh, else entirely different. Well, like the old saying, what you think about, you bring about. So think carefully about what you're asking for, too. Um, related to the negativity and the chaos going now, I just like to, I haven't really put it out yet. I'd like to do it right here and now. If you had to <clears throat> feel the pain a million times stronger than the pain you inflicted on somebody else, uh, be it uh, through harassing them with words or physical pain, how many times do you think you'd do that after experiencing that pain coming back to you a million times stronger? I, I think you'd change your ways pretty quick. So people can shift. It's a choice. We have a choice to make every instant in our life, and we never know when the game over sign's going to come. We took our first breath when we came out of the womb, and every breath we take from then on is bringing us okay. back towards spirit eventually. Very, very true. Uh, and uh, again, a lot of people contemplating death uh, uh, get overwhelmed, but we've had this conversation before. Uh, death is the end of life for everybody. And uh, we don't know when our number is up. We don't know when the book is uh, closed and the, the chapter uh, uh, is the last. Uh, so it's very important to be aware uh, that what you do now is what matters and what you do now can echo throughout eternity. And that's why I love to bring it back to gratitude because uh, when you get out into nature and see all the beauty around you and hear the birds singing, they're singing because all their needs are met. They're very happy. And God will bless you the same way if you just let go and let God and hold that heart connection there. To you, You'll see your way through anything as long as your faith is strong enough. But, uh, so just, again, understand what gratitude is and every day get up and be grateful that you have another day on the planet to be a blessing to someone else, which is actually being a, a blessing uh, back to you. I was married to an earth angel for 35 and a half years who taught me unconditional love. I don't know how I, this, I found this woman right in my hometown, but uh, she's absolutely phenomenal. So uh, uh, there again, I even tell men, if you know how to treat the woman, in your life properly, you have the whole world in your hands. Now, a lot of men don't have a clue, and that's where the women have to use their extra senses, and they're the birth givers, and they have a little extra that men don't have with uh, understanding what unconditional love is. So pay attention. Uh, there's some manipulative ones. That's true in anything. There's good and bad in anything. But on the whole, uh, I really would love to help empower more and more of these women that are raising children that the men just walked away from uh, as if it was just uh, uh, you know a fling or whatever they they won't take personal responsibility for their part in bringing this child into the world when two people bring a child into the world the whole focus should be on that child that's again why we're in such chaos today with the school shootings and stuff the supervision and the parenting from both sides just isn't there 
Now, there's something that you brought up uh, uh, that is very powerful, and uh, as we approach uh, the last five minutes of the show, uh, I'd like to go into it a little bit more. You had quoted Jesus earlier saying that uh, he said that uh, people can do more than he did, you know, if they uh, applied themselves uh, to it. And you had also said that all the wonderful things that uh, you do and attempt to do in our world, you're disabled, you're um, bound to a particular place, and yet you have uh, telephone access and you have the Internet, and that gives you everything you need to do what you're doing. Uh, a lot of people say that they don't have the time or that they're not powerful enough or, you know, somebody else should handle it. What do you say to the folk? How could you empower them to take responsibility not only for their own life but for the world we live in? Well, I'm glad you asked that because I'll give you another thing. There's a lot of things they can find just when they Google my name, but uh, there's a beautiful brief article after Hugh Trollson, H-U-G-H-T-R-A-U-L-S-E-N, put the words manifesting your future. I was actually interviewed by COPD Digest. Uh, Maya Angelou died from COPD. It's a progressive non-curable, supposedly non-curable disease. And I had a near-death experience and was disabled with COPD a month and a half after my wife passed in 2007. And I was uh, starting a workers' comp suit in New York as it happened on the job and I uh, was examined by a New York State workers' comp doctor and I never even had a hearing. It was so bad that they didn't expect me to even live long enough to have a hearing. So I did eventually get Social Security uh, disability and then full Social Security when I reached the full retirement age. But uh, it's, again, a choice that you can make at any time what find an interest that you can learn from, or if you already have an expertise, start networking with others, not seeing if you can sell them something or take advantage of them, but pay attention to what their interests are and even go way above that. When I function as an independent international marketing consultant, I talk to people that uh, were experts in their field that I had no knowledge, but I didn't ever try and BS them. I said, look, I really don't understand this. I'm getting certain information for somebody else that has an interest. And they would give me like a free education. So uh, what's the worst that can happen if you call somebody? They say, don't call me anymore and hang up the telephone. Oh, my pride hurts, so I never can pick up the phone again and talk to anyone? No, come on. If that's a lesson you learn. Maybe you have to take a little bit different approach than how you're speaking to somebody and give the respect. Or uh, if you're not getting the respect, if you have the persistence, uh, just keep going until you have the breakthrough. And every failure you learn from, and you keep doing things in a little bit different way until you find the magic door opening for you. And that's where I was examined uh, by a, a doctor of education many years ago, and he gave me a, just a beautiful uh, thing to think about uh, in, in his consulting, and that was, he said, if you read a book and you get just one small idea from that book, it's worth its weight in gold, and that's Definitely. true. So if you read enough books and if you have a particular interest in a certain area and you, you, you read enough, you're going to start seeing common threads of, and there's an expression that Warren Buffett 
told his children. I don't know where it originated, but it's so true. In order to surround, in order to be successful, you have to surround yourself with successful people and do the things successful people do. Now, you're not going to be able to get Warren Buffett out to lunch or whatever, but you can read about him. You can read about other people like him and look for those common threads. And when you see that, you just discover the gold mine. And on that powerful note, and uh, in the Olympian tradition, we call that mythic mentoring, by the way. Um, on that powerful note, how can folks uh, explore your world uh, uh, and enter it? Well, let's just give them the three words for the big website that, that Dave Solano controls that. Uh, just Google three words. It's not the website, but it'll bring you to the website. Google my last name, Trollson. T like Tom, R-A-U-L-S-E-M like Nancy, the word and, A-M-D, and then Trump, T-R-U-M-P. I actually share common background with President Trump. I'm not into the ego like he is. I pray for him and look to help any president in office unite the country properly. So what we played for Maya Angelou, maybe somebody can uh, tweet to him and maybe he can choose some better words uh, for the future because... It still sticks in my cause, a Vietnam-era veteran from the 2016 campaign when he, and this is available to be seen on YouTube, where he made his hand like a gun and said he could shoot somebody on Fifth Avenue. It wouldn't affect the loyalty of his voters. I immediately challenged that and said I'd be proud as a, a Vietnam-era veteran representing my brother and sister veterans and representing America to stand on Fifth Avenue and allow him to shoot me. I said, I don't think it'll happen. It's illegal in this country, but if it ever did, I think he'd lose most of it, not all his voters. The words came out of his mouth. I still don't know what they mean. If it was just to be sensational, all right, tell me, explain why you would even, even if you didn't originate it, why did you say it? And that's a mystery we'll have to leave uh, for another day because we're out of time. Hugh, thank you for calling in. Always a pleasure hearing from you, and I look forward to our next conversation, both on and off the air. Take care. Thank you. God bless everyone. Okay, you too. Bye-bye. And thanks to all who tuned in. Until next time, this is Hercules Invictus and Hugh Trollson wishing you joyous journeys and happy adventures. Thanks for listening to the Spiritual Unity Radio Network. Join us seven nights a week for exciting programming covering a variety of expressions of faith. And remember, all manifestations of the divine are equally valid. Mm -hmm.